of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rushed out of the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Monday the 12th. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. Their talented designers bring to life any concept you'd like to create. So check them out at MountaineerKitchensandBath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Morning. morning. Welcome back. Yeah, back on the East Coast after a little road trip out west. But uh, unfortunately, an unfruitful, necessarily, road trip out west, but a fun one nonetheless. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time to get out there. I, I never thought I'd get it that far out west, but it was a super cool opportunity. You get to see the Rocky Mountains, get up to Red Rocks, go to a Colorado Avalanche hockey game. That was my first NHL game. It was pretty fun. Goes yeah, you saw to, a good one, too. It was, it was a good, good game. Really good game. It went into penalty shootouts, and it was exciting. It was a super cool environment, super good time, and... It was sadly Shepard didn't come out with the outcome we wanted, but again, super cool opportunity and nothing to look down for for that awesome season. Yeah, hundred percent. Shout out to both pilots, smooth flights. Yes. Uh, both well, on the way quick. way back, it was a little bumpy landing. I think well, yeah, I might that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty hard at the end, but I respect <laughs> them for going full throttle. That that you're right. The last thirty seconds of that flight were pretty pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, but it was a fun one nonetheless. Of course, Shepard unfortunately falls to Colorado School of Mines 44-14 in the NCAA Division II National Semifinal or the Final Four. And man, what a, um, I, mean, I don't want to say disappointing so I feel like disappointing is a little bit too harsh. But it was a uh, not nece- it was not the way that anybody expected uh, the Rams to go out, especially with uh, essentially the same thing happening last year against um, Ferris State. But having to go all the way out there and then not necessarily having the game you'd want is definitely a disappointing way for the season to go down. Yeah, I think it certainly was. You know, the offense just really struggled at any point to move the ball in that game. The defense came to play. 17-3 to was the score at halftime. And one of those touchdowns the Colorado School of Mines scored was a defensive scooping score. So I felt that the defense came locked in. I thought they played well, just kind of ran out of gas late. But the offense just really struggled against the pass rush, really struggled to move the ball. Uh, the three scoring opportunities that they have were all kind of set up by freak plays. Um, a Ronnie Brown kick return, Tyson Bajan with some miraculous throws, and then a Ronnie Brown 75-yard touchdown run that was the score. So they just didn't really have any offensive consistency. Back-to-back years that it's frustrating they lost the way that they did, especially when they were in that game as long as they were. But you give up 16 sacks as a team all season long up until that point. You get sacked eight times in that game. Tyson Bajan throws six interceptions all season long. He throws two in that game, uh, and he also fumbles twice, once of which uh, was recovered for a fumble. So a lot of things happened that frustrated Rams fans. I appreciate that the response on Twitter uh, and social media and the like, Facebook, Instagram, have been a celebration of what these last couple of years have been, but I know that there's a bad taste left in people's mouths similar to that Ferris State game. 
Yeah, I think so too. And School of Mines had eight sacks in that game. When you get sacked eight times, it's it's hard to win a game. That's you could argue that's the most Tyson's ever been knocked down on the ground in his career. He went nineteen to thirty four for one hundred sixty five yards, no touchdown passes, two picks, and you, you hate for Tyson to have the game he had on the stage that he did. It it stinks to see he was. He just couldn't stay up. There was a lot of factors that went into play. Adam Stilley got knocked out for most of the second half. He broke his foot. Y. Pelicano was out for a majority of the second half as well. Just, I think really the injuries, I think, caught up to Shepard as well because you didn't see much of Marlon Cook. He only had one catch. Ryan Beach only had one catch. And just the amount of the altitude and the injuries, I think, came to play for Shepard as well. And just also, I want to give a big shout out to JT Kumeya. Of course, had to had to step in big time. He led Shepard in tackles in that game ten total, and it was a good showing from the defense. I think the offense really couldn't get it going. And Ronnie Brown closed out what was an illustrious playoff run for him. He still ran for 173 yards and a score. And what was really he was really the defining player of that playoff run for Shepard, but. It's a great season for the Rams, 13-2 and finish on the season. Of course, Tyson Bajor sets the all-time NCAA passing touchdowns record and pretty much owns every single Division II passing record that you can name of at this point. Great season for the Rams and looking forward to see what the future holds for this team. Yeah, and uh, Tyson also can add the Andre Reid Award to his uh, growing list of achievements, the PSAC Player of the Year Award. Uh, but I guess, well, no better time than now to talk about it. Does the playoffs, and in particular this past Saturday's game, how much is that going to affect Tyson's postseason or um, professional aspirations? I mean, because it was a pretty tough look over the weekend with, uh, you know, minds shutting him down for the most part completely. But then this playoff run, he really hasn't done too much. Now, of course, on the other side of that, uh, Ronnie Brown has done it all. So he hasn't had to do uh, Tyson Bajan things. But, you know, regular season counts for, you know, however much he wanted to. Does this playoffs and Saturday in particular hurt his draft stock at all? I don't necessarily think so. I think you look at the playoffs specifically and you go three and one and he obviously didn't put up the superstar numbers that he had in the regular season and last season as well. He was relegated to more of a game manager because of how good Ronnie Brown played, but nobody in the NFL is going to draft him and expect him to throw 50 times a game. You know what he's done over the last four games in the postseason is exactly what he's going to be doing if he wants to be an NFL player, especially immediately at the beginning of his career. And I still think that while he gets intercepted twice, the first one wasn't his fault. The second one was absolutely his fault Mm -hmm. and neither of the fumbles were his fault I mean he just got uh, there are hits he took in that game where you wonder how the ball didn't come out so uh, really all of that considered I think it's not the biggest thing in the world I think there were still some moments in that game a couple of throws he made obviously none of them in the end zone the wheel route to Ronnie Brown and then their drive that ended with points for the first time he had an unbelievable scramble at third and goal when he ran the length of the field twice and then unfortunately got sacked But plays like that, I think, are still going to keep him in a positive light. But what's more important than that performance against Colorado School of Mines will be the Senior Bowl and the Combine. Yeah, I think so as well. Again, it wasn't the game that Tyson wanted to have, and you hated to see that because I'm sure a lot of NFL execs and a lot of scouts were at that game because there wasn't much really going on in the college football scene that weekend. But I, I'm in agreement with Luke on this one. It's you got to look at the, the overall tape. One game doesn't define you as a prospect, and that was you could argue that was an FBS level pass rush that they faced. It was mm-hmm. insane the amount of loops that Mines ran, the amount of stunts, and the amount of different ways they brought in blitzers was unlike anything Shepard has seen ever. It was a remarkable pass rush put together from Coach Moore and the School of Mines. But again, yeah, I don't think that affects him too much. It's really going to be defined if he has a good senior bowl, if he has a good combine, if he pieces that stuff together. 
the, the, he will get drafted. I think he's going to get drafted. I think he's a lock at this point. He's got major people talking about him at this point. I think his name does go. I would realistically slot him in anywhere between rounds. I think the ceiling's round four. I think the floor is undrafted, uh, but I think he will end up getting drafted anywhere between round four through seven in the draft. And yeah, that's that's how I'm feeling on Tyson. I also wanted to say too, shout out to Jacob Haney, career on field goal in that yep. game as well, 43 yarder with the with the altitude going his way. And yeah, he had he nailed some clutch kicks this season. So shout out to Jacob Haney for hitting a career long. And a couple more records. Tyson, believe it or not, broke another one in that game, mm-hmm. the D2 completions record with 1400. And shout out to Colorado School of Mines breaking their attendance record with over 6,100 people in attendance in that game as well. Well, not a uh, hard sell to go to a game at that stadium with that no. environment. I, and I was talking to uh, their SID after the game. At halftime, they had to turn people away. Like wow. People were coming into the game like crazy. They were letting them kind of stack up behind one of the end zones, which we could see, and none of them could see the field. Oh, I know. So they just had to start turning people away, which is a shame. I mean, you got to get there sooner. You know what that's at stake for that game. People were up on the hillside, too, trying to peek in over the stands. Um, you know, they well deserved. You know, it's a shame that the season ended that way, but I think we can all say definitively, unfortunately, but definitively, the better team won that game. It certainly would have been cool to take a win out of uh, Colorado School Mines in Golden, Colorado. But what an amazing setting! If you get over to our uh, Twitter page at EP News Network, you can see uh, where uh, Luke and I were high above Marv K Stadium with probably the best view uh, out of anybody, I would say, oh, of yeah. the uh, surrounding area. But Parker was down in the mix, and man, that was certainly a mix. To be in, especially when they scored that first touchdown, how loud it got. I mean, we were above it. That's how, I mean, it was still so loud. I can't even imagine how it was um, being right in it. But to uh, kind of wrap up our uh, Shepherd and Colorado School of Mines talk, let's talk about School of Mines a little bit because, like you said, Parker, that defensive line was incredible, and Shepherd really couldn't find any answer to it all day long. And the defense, it couldn't seem to find an answer to those receivers. And John Matoka, the quarterback, uh, who was also in a Harlan Hill finalist and, uh, you know, in pretty big contention. For the Harlan Hill, which gets released in a couple of days that um, winter, so we'll be sure to uh, see if Tyson can get his second in a row. But what would you think of School Minds? I mean, it seemed like they pretty much looked exactly like we thought they were going to look, but I just didn't expect them to be as efficient as they were. Yeah, they're a great team. We knew coming into this one their offense matched up very well with Shepard's. A lot of similarities between these two. John, John Matoga was very impressive. 28-34, 371, and five touchdowns. He had a he threw some beautiful passes, and that was it was fantastic. Michael Zeman really didn't explode in this game. He, got, he netted 77 rushing yards, but there was no big run that he had that really – was a standout for Michael Zeman. Max McLeod was fantastic. 12 catches, 214 yards, and three scores. Josh Johnson, another one of their guys, 73 receiving yards and a score as well. In the defense, I think that's just the main story right now. Nolan Reeve had a clinic, three sacks in that game. Jaden Healy with two. You, and then you just look down the line, a half a sack from Jackson Zimmerman, one from Jaden Williams, one from Zach Hester, one from Ben Fuchs. It's it just adds and there's more guys just on the list and it's it's a testament to their coach Brandon Moore. I mentioned it in our game. He's a first time head coach, but he's been with the School of Mines since 2016 as a linebackers coach. He moves up to a defensive coordinator and takes over as a head coach. He was an NFL veteran for eight years, and he just put together a great game plan. He knew how to shut down Shepard. He attacked the offensive line in spots they haven't been attacked for this season. And really, I think the injuries to the offensive line is kind of what let things get out of hand in the second half, but. Again, it's it's School of Mines. They're a fantastic team, and they'll be going to play Ferris State in McKinney, Texas for the national championship this coming weekend, which I think is going to be a very exciting matchup. Well, who do you think gets that one then? Play Ferris State, Colorado School of Mines going for the NCAA Division II championship. I mean, Ferris State, they had, I think, at half against West Florida, 
over 200 yards rushing and like 12 yards passing, and then pretty much the inverse of that with Colorado School Mods. Who do you guys think takes home the D2 National Championship? I still think it's Ferris. I I think that that's a really cool and fun defense like we talked about for Colorado School of Mines, but it's built for a dual-threat team. It's built for a team that throws the ball a lot, and Ferris State doesn't throw the ball. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you know interior pressure is important, but I I just don't think it matters as much in that game. I think Ferris State's too talented. Um, like you said, run the ball down everybody's throats, and it's a shame, uh, but they run for 300 yards in that game uh, against West Florida, whose coach just left to took in to take an FBS job, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I still think Ferris gets the edge, but I, uh, as shame as it is that they just banked Shepard, I think we're all rooting for School of Mines. You want to lose to the team that wins yeah. the national yeah. championship. I think Ferris wins it well. I think Luke reiterated everything I was going to say. Really, Ferris really excels in running the ball in their pass rush. Caleb Murphy, you could argue, is the best pass rusher, regardless of division, right now in college football. He breaks the he breaks the single season sack record and is a contention for a national award in the Ted Hendricks Award. I think Ferris wins this one. I think it's going to be a close one. It depends on how much can School of Mind stop the run. If they can and force Ferris to pass, then they can let that pass rush open up. But I do give the advantage to Ferris State. Yeah, I think so, too. And uh, I think, well, how do you think Shepard would have matched up against Ferris State? I think with the defense, especially how the defense stopped the IUP run uh, in the Super Region 1 final, I think they would have matched up pretty well against this Ferris State team rather than last year's Ferris State team. Yeah, you're 100% right. Mm-hmm. I think Kyle Smith played so well, such a good run stuffer, and Neil Pena uh, and Devin Lynch coming off his best performance of the year. And JT Kumeyao, you could make the argument, is just as good of a run, run stuffer as Dwayne mm-hmm. Grantham. He's not as good in coverage. So I, I think you're right. If you had played Ferris State instead, I don't necessarily think you win, but I think it's a much closer game than the game that School of Minds. It's almost like... Shepard spent the offseason recruiting <laughs> to beat Ferris. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And they just didn't get the chance to play him. Well, it's going to be an interesting one down in McKinney, Texas for the D2 National Championship between Colorado School Mines and Ferris State. Uh, I believe that's going to be on ESPN2 or ESPNU, I think. ESPNU. On Saturday, yeah. So uh, ESPNU. And apparently on Wednesday, the Shepard game gets replayed on uh, ESPNU. Cool. So if you want to check cool. it out, yeah, see, what, I'll definitely be interested to watch it because I heard a lot of complaints about the ESPN broadcasters. Oh, really? I, already, yeah. I went back and watched the highlights. Did you? Apparently, it, they, everybody was asking how long they've been on the mines, like payroll. And not <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> not thrilled. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll make sure you have to check that out. But it was a fun one. It was a uh, it was a blast of a football season over on 95.9, the big dog man. When you only see two losses in a year and uh, the second one coming in the final four, it's a pretty good season. So uh, pretty Appreciate everybody over at Shepard for letting us tag along. And speaking of uh, JT Kumeyao, poor guy was just getting full oh, body man. cramps at Those the end of the game. In the bus, he was screaming and yelling, apparently. And then uh, I didn't know if he was going to be able to make it on the plane back. But luckily, our plane back had way it, too much leg room. That, that it did. That whole... <laughs> yeah way back trip was wild they had members of the band that just somehow ended up in the bus and oh we were taken back to the airport and it was a smaller plane but better the seats were so much better oh, than the fly so right nice. out it was yeah nice. it was nice. so nice but um yeah we'll come back after the break and we'll talk a little panhandle basketball because woof basketball is definitely in full swing in the state of west virginia so that'll be right here on wpm and wcst the panhandle news network when we come back with panhandle sports live welcome back to panhandle sports live part of the panhandle news network Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. You can check them out 
at MountaineerKitchenTobat.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Quiggs and Parker Stone. And when one season ends, another one is already in full swing. And that is certainly what's happening with basketball across the state of West Virginia. Had a couple big-time wins and big-time matchups uh, here over the weekend. And, uh, well, looking at the rundown here, there were certainly a ton of games to be had. Yeah, there certainly were. Uh, the biggest one over the weekend, I think, is Spring Mills' hot start. You know, the game against Millbrook was kind of gross, but then they, they hang on for the win. But then they go over the weekend and upset the number 6 team in Class Quad A. Um, they beat Greenbrier East in a, a kind of a thrilling game. That one, 69-63, a game in which Cheek goes over 20 points again. Him and Anderson combined for 37. Fantastic recap written by Andrew Spellman in the journal for that one. So that kind of stole the headlines for Spring Mills' 2-0 start. Some of the other teams that have started the season, Martinsburg started with a loss to Sharando. Hedgesville's 2-0, looking to be one of those top contenders in the region as well they beat parkersburg 54 to 52 uh musselman gets off to a slow start they were dominated before uh greenbrier east played spring mills they played musselman and beat them pretty handedly washington who pending uh confirmation from their athletic director will be able to have their boys game tomorrow uh they've gotten off to a bad start they went to morgantown and played two teams that are going to be in state tournament contention so it's a little bit misleading they lose to both mhs and uhs but then jefferson uh, who's the number four team in Quad A. A lot of people are expecting to potentially be the top contenders in that class with Morgantown High, who have gotten off to an unbelievable start. Uh, they dominated Cesar Chavez in the game that Jamari Jenkins scored 26 points and Jaden Gladney had 17. Uh, so they're 1-0. and uh, We're going to get them on as soon as possible because of the Shepard game. We weren't able to do that Cesar Chavez game, but uh, we'll look to do it later. Uh <laughs> It is a what a name for a school. Cesar Chavez. <laughs> um, Sorry we couldn't get the Cesar Chavez game in. <laughs> <laughs> and then running through the girls really quickly. Spring Mills is 1-0. Apparently their pre- press looked fantastic against Bridgeport. They won 41-22. Press Virginia and Spring Mills? Maybe, maybe. 41-22. Uh, they're arguably the best girls team out here. Martinsburg's 1-1. One one. They lost to Sharando, but they beat Fairmont Senior, which is a big win. Hedgesville's gotten off to a rough start. They've yet to win a game. Musselman beat Goretti. They're 1-0. Washington's 2-1. A little bit of a surprise start for the Patriots and Jefferson gets off to a slow start uh they're 0 and 3 on the season and reporting on the berkeley springs side they played allegheny out of cumberland maryland on thursday they lost that one 55 to 42 so the tribe are now sitting at one and one on their season and tomorrow over on 92.9 wxdc we got a rivalry matchup between Ooh. the tribe and frankfurt that game oh, yeah game's going to be starting up at 7 30 we'll get the pregame going for you about 7 10 7 15 on 92.9 wxdc nice absolutely can't believe basketball season is uh our, well, we're kind of late to the party, I guess, at this point. We're a little late, yeah. Well, it just got started up, but you know, fashionably late, we'll call it that. <laughs> fashionably late. And I was trying to find here, I know uh, Marshall, I think they played yesterday or Saturday maybe? Yeah, Marshall basketball has gotten off to a good start. Uh, I know WVU, we can talk about them a little bit later on. Uh, two different perspectives from the two different programs, but Marshall, uh, it's been a fun start to the season for the Herd. They beat Robert Morris, uh, what's today, the 12th? Uh, two days ago, they won by nine. Uh, but they're nine and one. Well, I was well, yes, and I was also talking about the women's one. I'm oh, sorry, I'm should, so, I'm should sorry. specify, should specify. I think that's the only reason I ever care about Marshall's athletics. To be honest, is talking about Abby Beeman because uh, Marshall women's basketball beat Wright State seventy-two to forty-seven, and Beeman uh, playing a little bit more of a. Um, and she's more of a role player, I guess you could say, but still uh, way up there in minutes, 31 minutes in that game, fellas. It's like she's back at Shepard with 16 points, a couple assists, and uh, a couple, well, four assists, nine rebounds, and she's only That's like insane. five foot three, which That's is pretty wild. wild. She's still rebounding that good. And I'm glad that, uh, well, 
my, the, my words ended up coming back to bite me a little bit when uh, talking about her transferring. Because I've always loved her game, but I just never thought that you know her size would be able to translate to the D1 level. And man, I mean, she's one of the top scorers on the team. Go figure. Yeah, she's their second leading scorer, averaging 12 and a half. She's averaging 6.4. There's no way. Four she's for their, five from she's three. She's their leading rebounder. That's wild. That is incredible. And she leads the team in this with assists with 44. <laughs> Nobody else has more than 17. Love so it. it's like we're, we're turning into that Shaq me. My apologies. I wasn't familiar with your game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys are very familiar with their game, but translating to the Division One level, that's incredible. Well, she just got. I, I thought. I thought the Shepherd game plan got so exposed against Cal last year, where mm. all they had to do to shut Beeman down was put somebody a little bit taller on her. Mm. And then you think, well, going to D one, everybody's going to be a little bit taller than her, right? So I thought that that was going to be the game plan on how to stop Abby Beeman. And I guess it might be once uh, they start to recognize her a little bit more as the season's gone. But man, Park, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought Abby Beeman would be out here balling like she is at D one level? I'm so happy for. Her. She, there's no better person for this to happen to than Abby. She's fantastic. She's really humble about herself, and then she gets onto the court and does her thing. It's it's fun to watch. If you want to watch Abby in the herd, th- went this coming Wednesday they're playing at USF. It's going to be on ESPN Plus at 11 a.m. Weird, weird start time for that one. Wednesday 11 a.m. USF Marshall in that one, and then 18th of December this coming Sunday they're going to play at home against Saint Bonaventure. So there's a couple chances for you to check out Abby on ESPN plus yep women's uh thundering her basketball five and three five and three all behind the play of Abby Beeman I love it and they'll be at JMU I think the very last game of the season and I know a lot of people uh Shepherd fans and uh, well I guess Frankfurt fans alike are going to be heading down to that one but very cool and you love it when uh you see people it's hard hard to see them leave in the transfer portal but it's always nice to see them playing well but we'll come back and talk a little uh college basketball a little pro football after the break here on WPM and WCST the Panhandle News Network it's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan Luke and Parker tweet the guys at EP News Network Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbats.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And Parker, it was certainly an interesting football Sunday yesterday. Yeah, there was a lot going on. Sadly, the uh, I'll go ahead and peel the Band-Aid off right now. The Giants got absolutely pummeled by the Eagles. It Just was pumped. It was absolutely I mean, pumped. Yeah, and I think after that game and what happened in the Kansas City game, I think Jalen Hurts moved up to the number one pick right now for MVP for this season. He's had a great year, and if there was a most improved player award in the NFL, I think he'd win that one too. He's been fantastic this year, and I'm really happy for Jalen Hurts. He's had a very up-and-down tumultuous career, stemming all the way back from college. Of course, he wins a national title at Alabama, gets benched for Tua Tungavailoa, and then ends up transferring to Oklahoma and still making it into the playoff and having a fantastic season that way. Has his doubts in Philly. People are clamoring for him to get benched or he's not the guy, and now it's looking like he's probably going to win an MVP this year. The Texans almost beat the Cowboys in a shocker where a lot of people – I think the spread for that game was 17 points to the Cowboys, and the, and the Cowboys almost let the Texans beat him, and that would have been – a horrendous loss for the Cowboys playoff hopes as they're trying to lock in the number one wild card spot. The Detroit Lions are the hottest team in football right now. They started one and six. They're six and seven now and actually in contention for a playoff spot after beating what was the 10 and two Minnesota Vikings in an offense where, man, if there's a team to really put behind in the next few years, I think it's the Detroit Lions because not only do they have all this young core gone on, they got Jameson Williams, their first round pick came back into the lineup for them. Now they've got four picks in the first two rounds next year. And if you nail a guy like, if you want to replace Jared Goff with a guy like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, because they own the Los Angeles Rams pick, and that's going to be a top five pick probably. 
there's potential there for a lot of things for Detroit. Some other notable ones, Ravens ended up beating the Steelers by a little bit. The Broncos get bounced out of playoff contention. Brock Purdy dominates Tom Brady in the box. And the Carolina Panthers might end up winning the NFC South, which... Could, could can we just eliminate the NFC South in the playoffs? Like it's well, it's gonna be like a four win team. It, it's it's probably gonna be like a six and eleven team out of the NFC South. It's horrendous this year, and somebody's got to win it, man. Someone's got to win it, sadly. And I'll say this right now: if Todd Bowles doesn't get fired the first second after the offseason for Tampa, I'd be very shocked. He's not a good head coach. He just he doesn't put his foot down. He 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 needs to get canned. He's a great defensive coordinator. Don't get me wrong. And some coaches are better coordinators than they are head coaches. I think Todd Bowles is that case. And I think what's really missing in Tampa is Bruce Arians leading that charge right now. He's a commander of men, and I just I just don't think Todd Bowles has it. Hmm. What do you think, uh, there, Luke? It was a fun weekend. Brock Purdy looked really good in that game against Real the Bucks. He, he was he was he was mobile. Um, you know, it was kind of gross to see the Ravens pull out that game, but I think Ravens fans will tell you that gross. that's just kind of been the name of the season. It was just that the game was gross. Yeah, Mitchell was. Trubisky was disgusting. Hope Kenny Pickett's okay. The Eagles looked really good, like we talked about. Russ honestly played really well before he got knocked out with a concussion oh. in that game against the Chiefs. Jerry Judy played really well. It's taken them this long to figure out how to play with them. It doesn't matter. The Texans almost beat the Cowboys. That's how you want to – if you're a tanking team, you just want to make things exciting, but you still want to lose. That's exactly what they did against the Cowboys. Fun to see the Lions. Jalen Reagan uh, – Rager, I should say, of the Vikings guaranteed a win against the Lions. And then finish that game with fewer receiving yards than Penny Sewell, the the lineman <laughs> who was funny. who was tackle eligible and made a nine yard catch for a first down, and Rager had zero in that game. Uh, also, Deshaun Watson looks horrible, like mm. shockingly horrible. We're talking about how bad the Russell Wilson trade is, and it's not good. The Watson trade, I mean, it does not look good either. Well, he hasn't played football in what two years? About well, he was was coach called him the Michael Jordan of yeah. football. Um, I mean, you know, yeah. and it's not like he, and it's not like he was missing time because of injury. He was missing time because he's a scumbag. Yeah, allegedly. But that's just kind of where we're at, and he does not look good. Well, talk about winning trades. I think the Ravens won the Roquan Swift. Roquan Dude, he had Smith such trade. a good game. Six total tackles, three solo, an interception, an unbelievable interception at that. Um, he's a stud, dude. I, I think, think he's the next Ray Lewis. I think. Well, Ooh. let's let's pump the brakes Ooh. on that one. I think he's the best <laughs> middle linebacker in the NFL. I'll say that. I, Roquan's fantastic. Really, I loved when Baltimore made that trade. Granted, you you suffer a second round pick being lost, and you need to re-sign Roquan Smith. Well, you're but, not going to find Roquan Smith uh-uh. in the second no. round of the draft. Uh-uh. No, you're not. There ain't nobody he's, in college that's playing like him. He's mm-hmm. fantastic. He's great. And really, what was the big turnaround? I think for his play because Chicago was running a three four. They switched to a four three and. Roquan Roquan Smith, he's not a 4-3 linebacker. He's a middle of a 3-4, and he's fantastic in that role. He goes to Baltimore, sits in that 3-4 defense, and they do all sorts of stuff with him. They'll blitz him. They drop him back into coverage. They'll run bluffs with him. He's fantastic, and he's I think he's really found a fit. And the only thing I ask if they re-sign him, please let him switch from 19. It is a disgusting number for a middle <laughs> linebacker. Just anything hey, else. you can put him at 52. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe like... I can't remember what did Rokon wear in college. When are they going to unveil the the Ray Lewis plastic mannequin or whatever that they're? Oh, they already got set up. The statue's already out there. It's right next to um, Johnny oh, Unitas. Yeah. Yeah, it's right next to Johnny U. Right where it should be. Right where it should be. <laughs> yeah, I love watching Rokon Smith play. And it was uh, yeah, it was a gross win, but any win against the uh, Steelers is a great win, especially when you got your second and third string. 
quarterbacks uh, playing. And I had no idea who the third string was for the Ravens. I had no idea where he was from. Apparently he went to Oregon. He was undrafted, and I had nothing. I was going to text you, Parker, because I figured if I knew anybody on this planet that would know anything about the Ravens' third string quarterback, it'd probably be you. Well, let's figure out who the Ravens' third string quarterback <laughs> is right now. i got the roster pulled up right here because I was trying to figure out who wears number two, number three for the Ravens. It was ended up being James Prochet. I was going to say Roquan Smith switched to number three. It's what he wore at Georgia. I Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown. I remember Anthony Brown. I don't remember him getting to the NFL at any point. He was undrafted. I okay. Yeah, I remember him in college, but I don't remember him. Didn't they let him throw on his first play of the game? Yeah, it was a completion yeah. too. Oh from the gosh. from their own one yard line. Their that, own one yard that's line. That's what was frustrating about Brett. I think he ended up getting a touchdown anyways, but Brett Ripian took over for Russell Wilson first and goal, and then they had him go play action on his first play and it just <laughs> sailed it over the back of the end zone. Yeah, talk about uh, a, a Memory for a lifetime. Your first NFL snap, first and ten from your own one yard line against Pittsburgh on the road. Also, welcome back, J.K. Dobbins. Oh, heck yeah, man! That def- or that offense looked so much more dynamic having him out there, and it was perfect having him there and not having Lamar Jackson, who will hopefully be back uh, here in the near future. Got a text uh, for the guys here. Again, you can always text us three zero four two six three four three two one. Says, uh, I know you're doing a weekend recap, but another week goes by and all of WVU football's defensive coaches are still employed. Should I be worried Leslie is going to be the defensive coordinator next year? Worried? Sure. Uh, Like I said, if it was the same person that texted in uh, a couple of days ago asking about the coaching staff, I think it's trending towards them not firing the defensive coaching staff room, but bringing in a new defensive coordinator. I could see them letting Leslie go, but keeping the rest of the staff. I know if they hire a new DC, he's going to want to bring in his own guys and that could happen over time. But, you know, it was a, uh, a move of faith to stay behind Neil Brown with Ren Baker. They a gesture of goodwill is what I was trying to say. Uh, and, and so since he's not leaving, he's not he's not going to remove his coaching staff willingly. You know, he brought in a new offensive coordinator because he needed to. I expect him to bring in a new defensive mind because he needs to. But uh, similar to Graham Harrell coming in and taking over the offensive coordinator role. Basically, everybody else stayed in their position of power on that offensive side of the ball. I expect the same thing to happen with the defense. And I'll say this as well. When you're building a program, you need to have stability in it. You can't go just switching out people left and right because there, there's this beautiful thing in college football now called the transfer portal. And you will have people going in and out quicker than an in and out burger in the West Coast. And it's... <laughs> You got to have stability in your program. And if you, I, I understand Jordan Leslie and that defense did not have the performance that was up to par for Mountaineer fans this season, but you got to, you got to trust stability in this case. The, the, the brass is behind Neil Brown and that staff for at least one more season to figure out things. And the, after ne- after next football season, we can have that conversation about the coaching staff if they're not up to par. I think that's a fair conversation to have. But for right now, trying to piece things together, you need to have stability in your program. Yeah, because, I mean, you don't want to continue to set back and set back and set back with having brand new people because I feel like that's really the only reason that um, Neil Brown still has a job is for that reason. I guess give him a little bit uh, give him a little bit more time because COVID year and things like that, you know, he hasn't necessarily had that full, you know, class to roll through yet. I would, I guess, what, this year would be the year that it's really all his guys um, performing are there now. So who knows? Who knows? Very strange. Very strange stuff. But, yeah, 
pretty funny. That guy, that texter is really, really concerned about this yeah, defensive coaching I staff. Mean, <laughs> Matt Moore went from being your offense. He's still around. You know what I mean? Again, and Neil Brown's only here because they can't pay $20 million to fire him, and Ren Baker doesn't want to start his tenure searching for a new head coach. But it's up to Neil to make his team better through the transfer portal, through recruiting, and through a better coaching staff. The offense was anemic last year. Graham Harrell comes in, and they look really good through the first six games of the season and then fall apart. Uh, but I expect him to be the right guy to keep the offense moving forward. You just need to find that right guy on the defensive side of the ball, and I hope that's what they do. Dan, I would empathize with the texture. If nobody gets hired, I would be concerned, and that would be problematic. So about the transfer portal, do you think Ronnie Brown goes? You know, the more uh, – he was the only player that played really well in that game. Mm-hmm. The more you think about it, in my mind, and I feel bad, I have to apologize to old Ronald. In my mind, he's just uh, always been undersized, but he's yeah. six feet tall. Mm-hmm. He yeah. could go somewhere and, and put, put on 10, 15, or 5, 10, 15 pounds, and he's got 4-4 four, four speed, and he's a good pass catcher. You know, I was asking myself that question the other day. I could ask it to you guys. I, I would take, and I understand Tyson's gone and uh, Fisher's gone, whatever, but – Assuming everybody on Shepard had a year of eligibility left, how many players would I take on the Mountaineers right now? Mm. And I thought of Bajent, Ronnie Brown, Joey Fisher, Brian Walker, and Dwayne Grantham. And Kyle Smith, if he would move to linebacker, maybe. Keyshawn Haley as a backup, Mm -hmm. but like, no, I agree. Of the with guys that, that would yeah. play right away, I, agree with that. I would take Ronnie Brown in the Mountaineers. Now he's similar to me to Justin Johnson. He's faster than Justin Johnson, but he's not as strong. So if I think that Ronnie Brown could come to West Virginia as a Power Five program and contribute, he'd be their kick returner right now. Mm-hmm. He'd be yeah. kicks and punts right now. Yeah. He'd probably be their third or fourth back. I know Jalen Anderson's playing well. So if that's a Power Five program, what would Ronnie Brown be at Marshall? What would oh, Ronnie yeah. Brown be at JMU or Youngstown State or Appalachian State or something like that? Mm-hmm. So could he? Yes. But he could also do what Tyson did, come back, be the offense, have 2,000 rushing yards, and then you're talking about him being the next Bajan. He's not built like Bajan, so the NFL thing would not be as easy. But I could see him being lured away by a program. Because if, I mean, think about uh, Deion Sanders at Colorado. Colorado's, mm-hmm. their roster sucks. Yeah. yeah. You know, injecting it with a, a culture guy like Ronnie Brown, who's explosive right away to say, you know, you can come in here and compete for the starting job. Sure. Why not? Man, do you imagine Ronnie Brown with like 10 pounds of muscle on him? A yoked out Ronnie Brown that can take more hits than he does? That'd be crazy. Got one more text here before we go to the break. What determines Division I? Oh, and you can text us 304-263-4321. What determines Division I or Division II classification? What school of mines, or mines, I guess. Every time I would say they're like name wrong on the broadcast i was waiting for somebody to run up on the top and <laughs> get Same. us for it so what determines division one or division two classification would the uh, colorado school of mines qualify for division one I? I think that mainly comes down to enrollment and scholarships right they could yes. i mean any school could yeah. jump up if they really wanted to you just need the financial stability uh i think there's an academic level that comes into it which would not be a problem <laughs> be for school there. that was the funny thing about it and i wish if we had more time to play their press conference because it was funny those guys that's what their coach says he's let off the, the press conference by saying we played really well and these guys had finals this week and they were yeah. rattling off like this, uh, you know, biometric something, something molecular, blah, blah, blah final that I had back on Monday. You know, it's oh, OK. Like, thanks, guys. They yeah. could absolutely <laughs> jump up to Division One if they wanted to. They've got, um, you know, if you were to compare them to like a Youngstown State, 
Uh, they've got Division One or One AA at least level facilities. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, an academic institution. Their enrollment's pretty big for Division Two school. Seven thousand people, like Saint Bonaventure, like a thousand people go to Saint Bonaventure. Mm-hmm. So they could if they wanted to, but I think they're happy where they are right now. I mean, Shepherd technically could yeah. too. Anybody can be a Division One. You just need to apply for it, and you have to be able to compete at that level. You know, with the new level means more travel, more money needs to go into the athletic department, a higher level of play. You know, teams do it all the time, and then teams drop back down to Division two or division three because they can't afford to be division one anymore so the answer to the question anybody could it's just whether or not you want to and a lot of it comes down if you make that jump instead of well we'll put the scenario a lot of shepherd teams travel via bus to the teams they're playing in the PSAC. or you're just going up to pennsylvania or in a worst case scenario you're doing a road trip to like ohio or something like that if you if you're jumping up to a division one standard you're going to be having to fly pretty much everywhere you go and, and that was a hassle i mean they, it was really well done but getting out to Colorado, making sure everybody was herded through, that was a bit of a hassle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, think about doing that five times a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really what it comes down to. Facilities is a big thing. You gotta meet facility qualifications. They'd have to put lights at Ram Stadium for them to be a division one team. That's another big thing. And really that's what it comes down to. Enrollment, facilities. You just gotta tick all the check marks. And if you can, you'll go you'll go to a division one program. Well, I know the word was Grand Valley was going to be making the step up, and I thought that was supposed to be like this year. To what is it? Is FB? What's the next one up? FCS from D2? I, I, bel- I, I believe. So. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. It whatever the next step up is. Then FBS. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the next step up was because their facilities are ready. Yeah. I mean, their stadium, their facilities are ready. I mean, their facilities are ready for I would say D one, but um, yeah, it's weird how that all shakes out, and a lot of people were asking me about that too about the whole school of mines and how they probably shouldn't be at that level, especially with the way that they beat Shepard. But I think Shepard just kind of ran into a buzzsaw and just um, didn't have their day. Just wasn't their day out in Golden, Colorado on Saturday. But we'll step aside one final time, come back, wrap things up, and get Parker's picks on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbats.com. On Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proving it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, a very up and down Parker's Picks weekend over in Colorado. Of course, we talked on Friday's show about what was the crazy experience that was the Raiders-Rams game when Baker-Mayfield-Mania ran wild and kind of costed a big win out of my Thursday, which ended up really not being fun. It and was, I thought we were going to see Luke tackle some random uh, Rams fan. It, <laughs> it would have been hands-on. That was the most passive-aggressive beef I've ever seen. Like, Because you, bo- you both knew that each other was rooting for the other team, and he would like say something like out of the corner of his eye. That was the best. I'd I, put my money on you, Luke. I'd have my money on you. <laughs> nah, you don't, you don't, you don't want to meet Luke Wiggs in an alley, folks. It's, uh, it's don't trouble. Don't meet him in a phone It's over with. Yeah. It's trouble. Sadly, was it was a goose egg weekend in the NFL for me. Did not have a good weekend. I thought the Vikings were going to pull it off against the Lions. Props to Detroit for winning that game. I had believe I had Tampa one to pull an upset against San Francisco, and Brock Purdy had the game of his career. And then 
Who was the other? I think I had, yeah, I had Tennessee beating Jacksonville, and Trevor Lawrence looked fantastic. Evan Ingram probably had the best game of his career. I wish he would have done that in New York. But let's move into Monday Night Football. And this is a really key matchup, I think. You've got the Arizona Cardinals who are coming into this game 4 and 8. They, if they lose this one, they're out, they're out of playoff contention, and you could argue Cliff Kingsbury's going to get fired at some point if they lose this game. And then you've got the New England Patriots, who are sitting at 500 right now, and if they don't win this game, there's a good chance of them missing the playoffs as well. My lock of the day for you, and we're looking into this one here. I'm looking here, and where where did my sheet go? <laughs> All right, lock I'm of the looking, day for you. I'm looking, I'm looking. All right, lock of the day. Here we go. I've got for you Ramondre Stevenson, 50-plus rushing yards. That's my lock of the day for you. Use that one to center things around. I've also got Mac Jones throwing under 228 passing yards of the game today. And I've got the Cardinals to win it. I think Arizona wins this one at home. They keep their season alive. New England falls to 6-7. and seven. I like the Cards to win this one behind a dominant performance from DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm liking... Hunter Henry, I could see Hunter Henry having a good game as well. The Cardinals have the worst pass defense against tight ends this season. Look out for Hunter Henry as a big target. If you want to take him as an anytime touchdown score, I don't think that'd be a bad idea. But the three picks I got for you, I've got the lock, Ramondre Stevenson, 50-plus rushing yards. Mac Jones won't throw more than 228 passing yards, and the Cardinals are going to win this one. Did you put any money on that game, uh, the Avalanche game you went to? I did, yes. I <laughs> I, and then I lost. It, I, can I, can I, I just wanted to say, I don't want to apologize to, to, oh, to Park publicly. Down the wrong, the wrong no, no, path. no. I, I didn't tell him where to put his money. But we're having a good time at the game. And shout out to Rick Kozlowski. It ended up being a fun night with Kaz coming with us to the game. I went down. I was just mad thirsty. I wanted to go down to the concession stand and get something to drink. And I, <laughs> and I didn't really care that much about the game because I, I just wanted to be there for fun. Mm-hmm. So I left after the last media timeout to go down. Um, and part, and he came with me, which I didn't force him to. Oh, I wanted to go. Get, I wanted to go get the popcorn. goal scored. Oh. We, we were in the, line. the concessions line. <laughs> I just I felt sick. I no. like I really did. And then uh, the the Rangers equalizer was a shootout, and whatever. But like the one goal, it was. So I can uh, I can commiserate when I was out in Phoenix a couple years ago with some buddies. We went to the uh, Kai. Coyotes game and it was Coyotes Kings and it was like right after Kobe Bryant's death so it was kind of like a crazy Sad. beginning of that game um, but it, same thing it's nothing it's a nothing nothing game it's going into the third period it's coming down to the end um, I went to go use the restroom like five minutes before the end of the the period right I thought I had plenty of time running but then of course there's a crazy line whatever and as soon as I'm walking out and getting to where I can see the uh, ice goal game over didn't even see the didn't even see the winner so I can um yeah, I can commiserate with you there, Park. Yeah, I mean, it was... What did you think of your first hockey game? Oh, I loved it. It was awesome. It was a fun environment. Definitely cool to get into. A, fun to get into the ball arena over in Denver. Of course, the Nuggets play there as well. It was a cool environment. The theatrics were cool, the way they did things with the ice and all that. The players Have coming cool out. pregame? It was, it was pretty really cool pregame. pregame. Yeah. yeah, it was solid. It was a fun time. It was super cool. Definitely going to have to catch out some more NHL games. It was a really fun experience. And I also heard Parker say that uh, he goes, you know... I realized since that hockey game that uh, soccer is a lot like hockey. And I was uh, like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I there's think a lot so. more shots on goal. And yeah. to be yeah. fair, a 1 1 NHL game is a low scoring NHL. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was more like 3 2 4 3 kind of, yeah. kind of range. Well, the English are out. It's not Thank going goodness. home. Yep. It's not Thank coming home, goodness. fellas. Shout out to my I think it's Argentina's. I think it's Croatia. Luka Modric wins at 37. Oh, no. How crazy would that be? No. I, I just, man, I just want Messi to get one. That would be fun. I just want them to get one because that country would literally explode. They really would. France wins. 
Oh, I mean, I mean, they're the low hanging fruit bet. So I guess you can take that. <laughs> um, also, the Mountaineer basketball team look really good. Beat mm-hmm. UAB. They're up to the top 25 in Ken Palm. They should be ranked really soon. And shout out uh, to Jefferson Cheer. They won the AAA championship. So shout out to the, the Lady Cougars cheer team. We're very well deserved. Do you think the Mountaineers were listening when uh, Luke Wiggs earlier in the year was saying that this Mountaineer basketball team could be the worst? They could have been, but I'm happy that <laughs> they're, they're not. not. <laughs> we're still waiting for Perez to start playing, too. Then it's going to be nice. Is that the kid from Manhattan? Yes. Wow. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that Huggins would uh, somehow pull it together? He always seems to pull it together. He does. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. That's right. Just sit on that stool, controlling the world. Press Virginia, and it even made its way into Spring Mills bas- uh, girls basketball. So shout out to them. <laughs> but if you missed any show, you can listen back to it a little bit later on over on our Panhandle News Network uh, Facebook and Spotify page. Panhandle Live is next for Luke and Parker. I'm Jordan. It's been Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.